Fussy Gussie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Oh my God. Hey everyone, welcome back to the anniversary episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. It's me, and two, it's two years. Two years. I literally can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Feels like we did it yesterday. Crazy. What a crazy two years. If you've been listening this whole time, God bless you. I don't know why. Right. But bless your heart. They're out there. We always say that even if nobody listens, we'll keep doing this. It's a fun hobby for us. It's definitely not our career. We are making zero money. Um, but it's a fun hobby. It's been a lot of fun the past two years. Lots of great memories. We've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, we have kids. I always think about this who will have These hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of hours of us just talking and bullshitting and like what a gift that is to leave to them. I know. Could well, you imagine? We like, think it's a gift. No, we I do hope. think it's a gift. <laughs> the amount of money I would pay to have like. I remember when my grandparents, every Saturday night, they would um, have like game night with their like best friend couple. So to have like a recording of And all like everyone's still alive, but my grandpa, who was my favorite person. And I'm like, the amount of money I would pay to just have a recording of their night, listening to them bullshit and talk shit to each other and drink and laugh. So I actually do think it's a gift. I know. Bailey. I know. I just I can hope that they will feel that way about us. Well, you're really probably your eggs in one basket. I know. I got three, so I spread the odds. Uh-huh. At least one, one of them, them has care. to like me. One of them will care. <laughs> All right. So first of all, should we just get right into what we're drinking so we can get the party started? What are we called? We are called. <clears throat> it's a beautiful bottle. It's a celebratory bottle. Pizzolato. <laughs> oh, that Italian was immaculate. <laughs> Made with organic grapes. And it is a... Rosé champagne. It's a rosé brute. More champagne, Mr. Forte. Very shiny and very pretty. The bottle is gorgeous. We will, of course, post pictures for you guys on Instagram. And I just thought about this. I probably should have grabbed a towel just in case. So please pause. Oh. I don't want to jizz all over your couch. Watch me end up hitting the laptop. (laughs) This is the end of THC. Forever. That would be the perfect ending to our podcast. <laughs> We've threatened to spill on it all this time, all these episodes. We just take it out with a champagne pop. Oh, I feel it loosen and goosen. <gasps> and I caught it. Nice. Yes. Amazing. No spill yet. Oh my gosh. There's still time. Maybe some of you are just here for the ASMR. Beautiful glass, beautiful pour. Great, it's not too pinky looking, so that's a good sign. Cheers. Here's to two years. Happy anniversary. Happy Annie. It's good. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. I love it. I kind of inhaled a bubble. It's, it's not good. too sweet. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah, not too sweet. For as pretty not as the dry. bottle was. <laughs> yeah, but I don't look at... I appreciate the pretty bottle, but I look at the color of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is not too pink. Because no. if a rosé gets too pink, it freaks it's me scary. out. scary. Mm-hmm. Or if it's too orange. Yeah. No, it's a nice, very pale, almost clear pink, which is what I look for. Well, that was exciting. Do we do presents now? Sure. Okay. Are these anniversary presents or birthday presents? Both. Okay, so if you guys are new around here, our anniversary episodes are also my birthday episodes. Because we did... 
obviously our very first episode on my birthday. Yeah. Also, a couple of fun things about our anniversary episode is tradition that we do it inside my house because the very first episode, um, it was so hot in the pod shed that <laughs> literally the laptop didn't work. Yeah. <clears throat> so in keeping with tradition, we are back in my house in a rare living room recording, which I think this might only be our second one ever. Oh, yeah. I was going to say for my living room. Yes, correct. Normally mm-hmm. we go into my bedroom because mm-hmm. I have children just milling about Everywhere. my house. But we have a free house. My kids and my husband are down at my mom's house. So we have the night to ourselves and that means we have the living room to ourselves. So there you go. Keeping an anniversary tradition. Love we didn't it. even try the pod shed. Nope. All right. So Let's, what's first? We're going to do this one first because it's just silly and stupid. Is now, this for birthday or anniversary? They're, they're both, both for both. They're both of both. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Do you recognize the paper? Um, no. <laughs> this was your Christmas paper like years, like two, three years ago. Oh, and I gave it to you? Because you're like, I can never use it again. Yeah. Uh-huh. My Santa Claus hack. It we is. buy a special Santa Claus paper and then I either have to throw it away or, you know, I gave it to B because my kids can't see it because mm-hmm. then they know that I have the North Pole paper. Yeah. So we're bringing it back. Because I think for my birthday, I know there were avocados, but was it Christmas avocado? Yeah. Yeah, it was Christmas. There was Christmas avocados. That was the year I had Christmas avocados and Christmas tacos. Uh-huh. And maybe Christmas dinosaurs. But that is not Santa paper. That was mom and dad paper. Oh, of we give fun cool wrapping paper. paper. Yeah, no. Santa, like this is a brown plaid. Like mm-hmm. Santa gives kind of boring. Elf made the paper. That really gives nothing away. Oh, I thought it was wine glasses. I was so excited. So, yes and no. <laughs> uh, I taped it. Are we good? Oh, we're good. Okay. We can't use the box. It was like a little package oh. gift. So this is to replace our broken glass. I wasn't sure yes. if it was the bitch or the cunt that broke. It says it's a big wine glass. It says, I'm not always a bitch. Just kidding. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) If we ever make merch, that's going on a T-shirt. I read it and I was like, well, that's just so perfect. And the fact that it came with the free gifts. Are there there any socks? They're wine socks. Like if you can read, like if you can read these socks, bring me wine. Cause like you're sitting up with like your feet up. Mm -hmm. Peak, peak dad humor. Yeah. Yeah, bring me some wine. <laughs> if you can read these, bring me some wine. That is so funny. And then just like a little wine uh, opener. Uh-huh. Cute. This glass is so funny. So it's kind of for the pod shed or the podcast because yeah. it's to replace the broken glass. But Amen. also I read that and I was like, come on. That's so perfect. Please. please. And it's a big old glass. Mm-hmm. We like a big old glass. On this one, I'm I'm very proud of. Oh. Mm-hmm. This one took love and effort. Is it going to make me cry? No. Okay, because if you guys remember my last birthday episode, I cried like a baby. I edited out crying. two <laughs> crying bouts. Because it's like, that is too much crying in one episode. Uh, we will talk about quite a bit of crying on this episode. <laughs> I think I'm going to incorporate that into our games for this week. I love it. What is it? It is a monk notebook. Uh Uh-huh. It's a gift and a curse. On the side, it says it's a monk themed. (laughs) It's like a monk journal. Uh, 
And it says a notebook for monk fans and people with OCD. <laughs> like, okay, so did this already exist and you added things to this or did you make this from scratch? The journal existed with the it's not a, a curse or it's whatever. It's a gift and a curse. Uh, yeah, but and then, then you I added mm-hmm, all uh, the monk stuff. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that you looked up all these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like the keep calm and hand me a white because that is like actually our lives. Uh-huh. And it's on the back page too. Oh my God, B, it's so good. Right, I really went for it. I cannot wait to take pictures of this and show Because I figure now you could use that for your notes. The fact that this exists is amazing, but the reason I went down the rabbit hole is because I wanted monk-themed wine glasses. Oh. And those do not exist. So that's My. on the list. Yeah. Uh-huh. God. Did you but look on Etsy? I Had I thought about it soon enough, I for sure would have gotten them made. Right? Because I got yeah. our glasses made. So I know that's an option. We could have done one that says it's a gift dot dot dot. And, and says, it's a curse. And a curse. I know. So yeah. If someone out there is looking for <laughs> a side puzzle. Monk themed wine glasses. You have a guaranteed sale right here. Right. I don't know. Right here. <laughs> If anybody else will buy it, mm-hmm. but we'll for sure buy it. So, yeah. Happy wow. birthday. Yay. Happy anniversary. Cheers. Ding, ding, ding. What a day. What a night. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do my notes nice and that. No no uh, scribble scrabble like I normally do. Uh, but it's like a nice wide ruled. <laughs> it is. Thick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, anything else you want to talk about? Anything you want to do? Well, I've got my crazy news. My, yeah. my silly news, but I also have like our local news. So what? It's been three weeks, I think, since we last had an episode. You yeah. dropped two back to back. Yep. We had an attempted murder in our little hometown here. Yeah. And it was just so shocking because it was like right down the street from us. Mm-hmm. And even though the person, the victim doesn't work with me we work for the same company and i would see them every day and now i never get to see them ever again well they got flown out of state to be with their family that's crazy their their book of business was given away like if someone comes in it's going to be to clean out their office yeah that's sad so but did they arrest who did it yes well at least there's some justice Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is like the most shocking thing that went down. What we had Father's Day that happened yeah. since we last. Ours was pretty low key. Mm-hmm. Had an episode. I've got some past episode news. Whoa. Like We're a- gonna take it back to episode one. Did you What hear- on our anniversary? I know. Did you hear Nev Campbell quit the most recent scream? Because Be- she wants more pay. And fuck yeah she does. Yeah she should. Absolutely. And I was so happy to see that Matthew Lillard and David Arquette and Jamie Kennedy. Yep. Uh-huh. That they all publicly went out there and shouted their support as they should she is the franchise Mm -hmm. absolutely uh also in past reference to episode 68 all i have to say is for the past three weeks ezra miller has been in the news did you see the tiktok i sent you no i I sent you an ezra miller tiktok tonight (laughs) i don't want to get into it but literally the headlines from the past three weeks alone Ezra Miller hit with fresh restraining order. 
Ezra Miller takes control of teenage daughter. Ezra Miller living with 25-year-old mother and three children on farmhouse surrounded by marijuana and guns. So Crazy. he's had a busy three weeks or they have had a busy <laughs> well, that's three what, weeks. So that's what the TikTok is, yeah. is a guy, you know, he's like playing two roles. It's a guy talking to another person and he's like, can you believe all this stuff with Ezra Miller? He's doing this and he's, and then the other person goes, they, yeah. their <laughs> pronouns are they. And the guy's like, okay, well they fucking kidnapped someone. <laughs> right. That was for real though. Uh, um, we were just talking about this the other day. We have both caught up on the most recent Stranger Things. I was going to bring this up. I wonder if you're going to bring up what I was going to bring up. So according to <laughs> Daily Mail, the character Eddie Munson was inspired by West Memphis 3. He is based on one of the three boys. He's based on David Eccles. The main guy. That we talked about on episode 28. Wow, that's not what I was going to bring up. I also found it interesting that on episode four, Dear Billy, when Nancy and Robin... Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, for spoiler anybody, everybody. Yeah, when Nancy and Robin go to the asylum, um, it looks just like when Clarice... Yes, right? very Silence of the Lambs. Uh-huh, so that's episode 33. But not only that, Victor Creel is played by Robert England. There it is. That's what I was going to bring Episode up. Episode 27. And not only that, Dustin, like, spotting the similarities between Vecna and Freddy Krueger. Him yeah. having to come to you in, like, your dreams, basically. Yeah, and him being, like, all burnt right. looking. So and... fucking A, man, with this last season. Just yeah. killing it. Um, And then this one reminded me of you mm. for your birthday, mm -hmm. specifically. Loose bearded dragon in Louisiana becomes police officer's new buddy. As it should. Okay, so the best part about this is the guy gets called to this. Whoever called it in said that it was iguanas on the loose. And this guy happens to have an iguana. So he's like, oh, cool. Like, I got it. But he gets there and quickly realizes, like, it's a fucking bearded dragon. Yeah. So he picks it up. You uncultured swine. They immediately form a bond. And look at him. He cruised around with it for the rest of the day. Don't try to get me to like cops. Shut up. So cute. I guess he's a good one. I just thought that was so amazing. God, I love bearded dragons. That one's so bad. That's why I had to share that for you. They're so cute. Do you know when they shed their skin, you have to take out their nose skin? No. And it looks, because it's, because yeah. they shed the inside part of their nose, and you have to take little tweezers and get that boogers. out for them, and it looks like a little trumpet, like a little bugle. Oh my <laughs> nose skin. God. So cute. Uh, how could we get through the past three weeks without talking about Jason Alexander crashing Britney Spears' wedding? And doing it live on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Wild. shit was fucking bananas. Yeah, and isn't bananas. he like a MAGA guy? He's like an insurrectionist. Who he was He was there on January 6th. He's legit. He's a fucking weirdo. A lunatic. Just off Gross. the rails. And then speaking of gross lunatics off the rail, our Supreme Court is fucking, I, right? That's, I can't talk about I know, it. That's I'm going to be so All we're going to say about that. Another... Um, a running theme in the podcast is how much we love California and we love Northern California. And all I will say is um, I'm so happy to be in California. I feel so bad if you're not in California or in a state like California. I'm so sorry. Um, fuck, man. Oh. I literally don't know what to do. Nope. But it's made me think about um, just let you know, passports are 160 a passport. And I was like, I can't afford to do all five 
of my members of my family at once, but I might start doing each member one at a time because not to be dramatic, but just in case we have to like flee the country. Yeah. Like not even just about this, but like this country feels like it might be in a little bit of a downward spiral. We're going back in fucking time. And so I'm like, what happens if we have to run to Canada or run to Mexico or run somewhere and we can't because we don't have passports. Mm -hmm. So hopefully (laughs) everything works out. I have no idea. Yeah, I know. It's fucking gross and awful. And I'm raising two people with vaginas and it's. Terrifying, terrifying and i am not leaving my beautiful state of california unless it's to move to a completely different country at this point i believe that mm-hmm. anywho so a couple episodes back you had talked about jamie lee curtis our queen yes. visiting uh the re- the nearby town of yeah. paradise now we know why she's gonna make a movie about the campfire oh i read that today Ron Howard also made one. It made me cry a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes more sense because talking to like um, people around town, they're just there. Um, it's good to know that there's a reason behind it because they I get it. They don't want. Like, what do you need to see? You need to see that our fucking hometown that we like not Was us, devastated. but, the, you mm-hmm. know, I people grew up generations in that town. Right. And it's like, oh, you want to come see my fucking hometown just burnt to the ground? Right. That's what you want to see. It's no. like the same. Not as dramatic, but it's the same idea of going to like the like Auschwitz. Yeah. It's like I understand that you're like a history buff, but what are you really seeing here? Yeah. Like. You What's, know what happened. Yeah. Why, so why anyways, I know a lot of locals were just annoyed because okay. they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? Well, that is what. So there's a reason. Yes. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, on episode 71, we were discussing who would play us in a TV movie. And oh, so did you come up with some good options? No, but I looked up actresses my age oh perfect because you were dating yourself a lot you had like 55 this is who i have to choose from i still stand by an effeminate man would be the way to go. i know misha barton yeah but she's a fucking crackhead I, it doesn't matter we literally have like the same birthday she's january 24th <laughs> okay maybe she could sober up and do it speaking of fun people amber heard <laughs> She would actually make a great you. I know. If she, mm-hmm. I mean, however, <laughs> feelings aside, but she's like tall, thin, and blonde. And then uh, Kira Knightley. Yeah. I know. And maybe Rosie Huntington Wheatley. That's a good one. I don't yeah. know how good of an actress she is. Does, but that that's who I get to pick from. In Perfect. I mean, it, Narrowing she, down my age range. She either is or was married to Jason Statham. So. I don't even know that they ever got married, but they for sure have two beautiful babies together. I mean, that alone. I know. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a thing to brag about. For real, though. So that's what I'm <laughs> picking from. But I really thought it was funny. I'm like, well, Misha Barton and Amber. <laughs> I did like if we were doing a movie about us later in life. I do like Christina Applegate. Yeah, I did yeah. think that that was a good choice. Right. It was just funny. As soon as you pointed that out, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or like I said, Cameron Diaz, but Mm -hmm. she's older than us, too. But, you know, give us 10 years. Mm -hmm. Anyways. So, so many past episodes there. If you guys aren't drunk already. (laughs) I know. You're not playing our patent pending THC drinking game. Take a drink, a shot, a hit of whatever you're doing, drinking, smoking. Anytime we mention a past episode. If we're not in the pod shed, if we mention a, an episode of Monk, if we mention a badass big sister, if we spill something, 
Is that it? There's uh, or I if lost we cheers. Track. Yeah, I lost track. No, I, I got coming. it all. Or if we cheers, mm-hmm. and then you wanted to make. Uh, We're adding tonight. For, a specialty one. Yeah, for any time I reference me crying. Oh my god! During this, the process of getting. How about just crying in general? Yeah. We mention crying. We do cry. I might cry during this. Yeah. You never know. Uh huh. So for our anniversary episode, we wanted to do something kind of special. Last year's anniversary episode, we switched roles. Mm-hmm. And I came in already drunk, hence all the crying I did it was last incredible. anniversary episode. Um, this anniversary, we're keeping it traditional, but we... So if you guys remember way back in the episode about the Zodiac Killer, Ooh. we were like... This is as close to a hometown as we're going to get because it takes place in like Benicia, Vallejo, which are both about 15 minutes from our hometown, right? Yes. I had forgotten about this case, which is crazy because this is a huge fucking case. Um, So we wanted to do it for our anniversary because it is a hometown case for me. It is very close to the town where B and I both grew up in. Um, Also, a couple other similarities uh, this starts off when the victim is 11 years old, which is the same age that you and I met. Yep. So I thought that was a little fitting for our anniversary episode. Absolutely. And also, um, it takes place, it starts off in June. So Amazing. I was like, boom, we checked off a few boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this week we are doing the kidnapping and imprisonment of J.C. Lee Dugard. And yeah, B, watch, what did you watch? You watched The Room. Not even the room, just just room. room, because the room is another movie. Is like a B roll movie yeah. that is hilarious to watch. Um, no, this is just room, which I have seen, <coughs> and it is not <coughs> based on JC's case, but it is very similar. <coughs> Interesting. And then also to follow up, if you listen to our last episode, um, I did find the movie M. And we will also be doing that. Next episode, we will be doing the 19th. There was a 1931 1931. Uh classic (laughs) true crime movie M. With infamous Peter Peter Lord. Based on, of course, everyone knows the vampire of Dusseldorf. Right, right, of course, everybody. (laughs) So that'll be fun next week. This is a much more serious case. I'm sure the vampire of Dusseldorf was very... um, serious in the late 1800s yeah but now it's gonna be a little silly because we're not gonna be able to say any names i'm not gonna be able to say any of the names i mean where is dusseldorf german is that true it sounds very german yeah sweden maybe Mm. um also if i cough a lot this episode i'm gonna try to edit it out but i was sick two weeks ago and i have a cough that won't go away so you know there just might be some coughing this episode. There's just nothing we can do about it. All right. So this week is a little bit of a special week because almost everything I'm going to tell you about JC's case is from her herself. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing a ton of research and articles or whatever, she wrote a book um, called A Stolen Life. And so I read that because I figured awesome. what better of course. than to hear it from the source. Yeah, absolutely. So I read that book, took notes on it. Um, I also listened to just to hear somebody else talk about the other aspects of the case because obviously JC's book is a very biased point of view, meaning it's just her point of, of view. It's just what she experienced. Yeah. So to hear about all the other stuff that was happening in the world, uh-huh. um, I listened to an episode of Going West. 
and I went to just good old fashioned Wikipedia for like dates. Yeah. Dates, names, bullet points. Loose ends. Mm-hmm. But I would say 80 to 85% of my notes it's straight from are the source. on JC's book. Very cool. I suggest you guys go buy the book. It's great. Um, I don't want to say I enjoyed it because it's a really hard read, but it's a very interesting read. It's very, yeah. it's very interesting to read how she was thinking and feeling for all those years. It's not quite what you expect. It's not quite what the media kind of just portrays or even the articles kind of. I don't know. Okay. To hear her like in-depth thoughts at the time is yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I can't wait. So, are you ready, B? I'm ready. Let's do it. So, the reason this is a hometown case is um, where JC was taken is a town in the East Bay called Antioch. B and I were raised in a town called Walnut Creek. We've talked about that before. Um, We've talked about Antioch before. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. in the suburbs of the East Bay. Our hometown is about, Mm -hmm. eh, what, 15 minutes outside of Berkeley? Yeah. From my mom's house. Yeah. Because my mom's house is pretty close. Um. But my dad, because my parents are divorced, my dad uh, lived in Antioch my whole life. My mom grew up there. My dad grew up there from the age of, I think, eight or nine when his family moved to California. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where my parents met. That's their first apartment. That's where I was a baby at yeah. was Antioch, California. Um, I still have a family home there. The The house that my grandpa bought, which is over 100 years old, it's third generation in our family. So... Um, Antioch is my hometown. My godmother lived in Antioch and anytime I was, you know, needed to stay somewhere or have be watched, I'd be sent to her house. Yeah. And so the town that B and I met in and grew up in Walnut Creek, I will say without traffic, without traffic, which never happens without traffic. We're about 20 minutes outside of San Francisco. And then our town, Walnut Creek is about without traffic. 20 minutes outside of Antioch, mm-hmm. right? Is that yeah. fair? About 15 if you do 100 miles an hour. I looked it up. Um, I've actually been in the neighborhood where JC was held. It's about a five-minute walk from my dad's house. Wow. And so, you know, me and my dad and my brothers would just ride our bikes everywhere and hang out. My brothers all had paper routes and stuff. So I have definitely been in that neighborhood before. Um, anything within a 15, 20-minute walk radius of my dad's house I've been to yeah so I've definitely been there um I couldn't tell you if I've walked past their house I have no idea nothing ever stood out to me but I've definitely been in the neighborhood and it was during our childhoods and our lives that's so crazy and I'll get into some more stuff later but it is very fucking crazy to think of all the times that people could have been right next to her or intercepted her and had no idea. Absolutely. That's the part that gives me chills. That's the part that really, you just, you have to put yourself in their, their shoes. It's so to, crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. So, JC is born May 3rd, 1980 in Southern California. She has no contact with her dad. Her mom's a single mom. She grows up, of course, very close to her mom, Terry. They have a great relationship. Eventually, Terry marries a man named Carl. And JC has kind of a rocky relationship with Carl. You know, it's hard to be the outsider coming in, right? She never feels like Carl really 
loves her like his own. Yeah. Um, he's kind of short with her. He punishes her for like mundane, stupid reasons. His punishments are weird. It's not abusive and it's not neglectful, but he's just, he's trying to assert dominance. And yeah, the, he's just this... kind of being a bit of a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually they have, um, JC's little sister, Shayna and JC, She's a badass big sister. She loves her little sister. She's very doting on her little sister. And eventually the family moves to the small town of Myers, California, which is about six miles from South Lake Tahoe. Okay. So a very small mountain town. All the towns there are small mountain towns. Yeah. Um, they were they wanted something with more community and for it to be safer. And that's just too ironic for words. Mm. On the morning of June 10th, 1991, JC gets up to start her day. It's school, I think, is a week from being out of summer vacation. Uh, she's a little upset because her mom didn't say goodbye before she went to work. But her little sister's home. She's asleep in her crib, which means her stepdad's home. He, I, I don't know what her stepdad does, if he works or if he's a stay-at-home dad or whatever. But he's definitely home watching the baby. Yeah. <clears throat> She almost asks to stay home sick from school because her tummy kind of felt feels a little iffy. She's not feeling it. She doesn't want to stay home alone with Carl. Doesn't want to deal with him like giving her shit of for course. like skipping school. Yeah. And so she's like, I'll just go to school. Suck it, it up. Mm-hmm. So she gets up. She feeds her animals, her pets. She says goodbye to her baby sister. She yells at Carl on her way out the door. I'm out of here. I'm headed to the bus stop. She has to walk kind of up a hill a ways to the bus stop. Um, there's a couple of like wide turns, but you can see most of her walk from her front door to the bus stop. Okay. So she's walking up when a car pulls up beside her. And first of all, the car pulls up on the wrong because she's walking in the opposite direction of traffic so she can see the cars. Mm-hmm. The car pulls up the opposite direction of traffic, pulls up next to her and Already, she said that should have been a red flag, but you know how it goes. Uh, There's a man and a woman. The man rolls down his window and she thinks he's going to like ask for directions. And next thing she knows, her whole body goes numb. She falls to the ground. She tries to like start to crawl away into some bushes and she's hit with the stun gun again because that's what he's using. He's hitting her with a stun gun. Wow. He picks up her body. He throws her in the back seat of his car her body is completely numb it's been shocked too many times she can't move she pees her pants which she's very embarrassed about and he throws a blanket over her and puts some sort of weight on top of her to the point where it feels like she can't breathe and he drives away oh my god how terrifying how terrifying also uh carl her stepdad sees almost this whole thing happen he does not see necessarily the stun gun part he sees the car pull up and he assumes, because, you know, they're kind of far away. Same thing. Someone asking directions. Yeah, or he assumes it's like maybe a friend from school <clears throat> okay. asking if she wants a ride. And he does see her kind of get thrown in the car. It takes him a minute because he's like, is this a prank is this or whatever? really happening? The car speeds away. He doesn't have his car keys on him. So he grabs his bicycle and starts taking off up the hill after the car and he cannot catch up to it. He calls authorities right away. The only thing that he can tell the authorities is that it's like a silver gray colored car 
and that there's two people and one of them is a woman. She's got dark hair and kind of like brown skin. She looks like she could be Mexican or Indian. And that's all he can give. Oh, my gosh. So within hours, the cops are on it. Search parties go out. The community rallies behind Terry and her family and everybody is out searching for JC, searching for this car. JC, however, in the back of a man named Philip Greedo's car is being taken 150 miles to his home in Antioch, California. So what the fuck were they doing there? Uh, looking for somebody to take. That just cruising around with that purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. They had a mission and they succeeded. And so did she, real, did she fit like a certain description of. I have no idea. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was right place, right time. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea. Yeah. They were definitely out looking, looking for, for a girl. Mm-hmm. They were definitely purposefully doing it outside of where they live. Yeah, for sure. But it's still drivable. Uh-huh. Like I said, it's 150 miles. How long does it take to get from the Bay Area to South Lake Tahoe? Like two hours? Two, two and some change? Two and a half, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely drivable. It's an easy drive. but it's Don't have fa- to stop for gas. It's so. far enough away that they're for not sure. looking in your literal backyard. So interesting. Like... The thought process and all of that. Okay. Yeah. So who has just taken JC? Philip Garrido is born in Pittsburgh, California, which is the sister city to Antioch. Mm-hmm. It's right next door. In 1951, he grows up in Brentwood. Again, all these towns are together in the same area. Mm-hmm. He's always had a bit of like a sexual deviance. He's always been into like kind of weird things sex wise. He admits that... Um, This whole thing started with him. He would park his car outside of elementary schools and like masturbate in his car watching the kids. Gross. In 1972, he is arrested and charged with the repeated rape of a 14-year-old girl. Um, After he came in contact with her, he drugged her, raped her. He doesn't go down for it because there's no trial because the girl refuses to testify. Yeah. In 1976, he kidnaps 25-year-old Catherine Calloway, where he takes her to a warehouse and has been raping her for about five hours continuously when a police officer drives by and sees a car outside of this warehouse, which is normally like an abandoned warehouse. They go up to the door, see that the lock's been broken, go in, obviously catch Philip in the act. He is arrested for that and charged... With 50 years in prison. That's March of 1977. Okay. So now Philip's in prison and he meets Nancy, who is a Mexican-American woman. She is visiting her uncle in that same prison. They hit it off, I guess. October 1981, they're married in prison. Crazy. Where he remains in prison throughout the beginning of their marriage. He's eventually released to parole authorities in Contra Costa County, the county that you and I are from, B. In August of 1988, him and Nancy then move into his elderly mom's house in Antioch, California. Gotcha. And that is where we are when he decides to drive to South Lake Tahoe and take young JC. So mom's is still in the house. Mom lives in the main part of the house. Yeah. And him and Nancy sleep there too. They have a big, a good sized property. They have a big backyard. And we'll get more into that setup in okay. a minute. 
the reason for taking JC, the reason for taking a young girl is um, because, and this is very much like Colleen Stan, girl in the box. Uh, his wife, who grew up a Jehovah's Witness, is not very much into sex, period. She's definitely not what into what Philip's into. Yeah. So to save her from that and to save all the other young girls in the world from his sexual he just needs one he just needs one that he can grow and mold into his own personal sex slave to do what he wants cool love that (laughs) fucking asshole finally it's almost nighttime when they pull into antioch again jc's been in the back of this car with a blanket over her she has no idea how long they've been driving. She has no idea where they are. She doesn't know what time of day. It is. She knows nothing. Yeah. He takes her out of the car with the blanket still on her head so she can't see anything. So he takes her into the main house with the blanket on her head. They shower together. This oh. is the first time she's seen a naked man. It's the first time she's seen a penis. He doesn't make her do anything sexual at that time besides be naked in front of him, which yeah. is horrific enough of course um they take a shower he makes her shave all of her body hair okay and then he wraps her in a towel puts a blanket back over her head and then he takes her out into what is the backyard into this like little shed he has yeah he handcuffs her hands behind her back there's like a pallet of blankets in the corner and other than that there's not much there's a window that he's put a blanket over there is a door obviously with locks on it that she can't get out of and then there's like another glass door separating almost like there's two rooms but she's in a room with nothing besides the blanket pallet yeah and that's where he leaves her this is summertime it gets very fucking hot in Antioch oh my god it gets into the hundreds on any given day in the summer and, and in she's in there shed. with you can't open the window there's no AC there's no food there's no water there's no toilet that's and disgusting. that's just where he leaves her that's where she spends the next week or so slowly, but sure. I mean, he always comes in and feeds her. He always comes in and gives her something to drink. Um, it's just fast food and soda, but he is feeding her. He has a bucket for her to like relieve herself in. And mm-hmm. he just like throws it out in the yard. And she cries a lot that first week. Of course, she's terrified. It takes a little over a week before the first rape happens. He kind of comes in and explains to her what it is that they're going to be doing. And then he does it. And of course she's horrified. She's been pretty sheltered about sex her whole life. She doesn't really know what sex is. She literally thinks sex is two adults like cuddling. Yeah. Wow. Like she doesn't, she thinks that like maybe you kiss a little Uh and then you lay in bed together. And then to have this happen to you. Yes. And to realize what, it all is mm-hmm. and you have no frame of reference oh, for what it is. Right. And this is a I think he's like 41 at the time Ugh. with a little tiny 11 year old girl. While this is happening, she can't help but to think about her mom and her family and her community. She wonders if her mom's looking for her. She wonders if anybody has even noticed her missing. And of course they fucking have. Yep. 
the search parties have been going 24 hours. They've printed out tens of thousands of flyers. Her mom's working day in and day out to try to find her. They're doing all the media coverage, all the news coverage. Mm -hmm. They're giving out pink ribbons to everybody because that's JC's favorite color is pink. So you go to these small rural Northern California towns and you see just pink ribbons everywhere tied to every tree, lamppost, doors. People are wearing them on their clothing because everybody wants to bring JC home. Now, this whole time, she hasn't seen Nancy yet. She knows that there is a woman because she heard a woman's voice in the car. Nancy has not shown up yet. Okay. She notes that Philip looks like your normal guy. And he does. She has. I saw. I looked up a picture of him from that time. And he looks like your normal kind of tall, gangly white guy of yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Basically explains to her that he has a sex addiction, that she's there to help him with this problem, that she's saving other little girls and basically gaslights her into like a guilt trip. Of course. Like if, if I let you go or if you escape. Think of what's going to happen to those other. Think of all the other girls mm-hmm. that are going to get hurt. Yeah. He also tells her that there are like, um, that he has these like guard dogs, these like super aggressive Doberman pinchers. Um like policing the backyard basically and so if, if she, she tries, tries to escape they're going to attack her instantly when he's not being an absolutely disgusting pig of a pedophile he does try very hard to make her comfortable i guess he is a pretty nice guy to her he tries to make her laugh he tries to lighten the mood he tries to comfort her but you know he's a piece of shit i was going to so, say i'd like to say that that helps but yeah doesn't take away the fact that he's a piece of shit so jc sleeps a lot that's pretty much what she does spending her time she has nothing to do in this fucking shed no nothing all she does is sit there and wait and pray that it's a double-edged sword she prays that he does come back because he's her only source of food or beverage but if he comes she knows what's gonna happen right yeah so it's a very double-edged sword do you want him there do you not want him there you have to eat you have to relieve yourself you have to have something to drink But if he shows up, then you also have to do the other thing. Yep. She gets to the point, and we hear this a lot about victims, where she can start like kind of escaping in her mind. Mm -hmm. She goes to another place. She has like an out-of-body experience almost where she can shut down everything. However, this doesn't work after a while because eventually things start to escalate. So this was just the warm-up to get JC ready for what Philip really wants. Yeah. So Philip explains to her... That they're going to go on a run together. And she's like, what, like outside? And he's like, no, no, no. What a run is in Philip's world is basically because he is a drug user. He's a drug addict is when he's going to take a lot of crank, which he explains to her what crank is or methamphetamines. And that lets him stay up for days on end. It keeps him from finishing Mm -hmm. sexually so they can just go at it. And he can go and go and go oh and go. God. And that's what he needs her for is to help him Get do these runs. This. So they do their first run. And this is where shit gets very disturbing and very hard to read. Um, as if it wasn't hard enough already. This is when he starts like dressing her up in outfits and putting on makeup on her and having very hard, aggressive, yeah. never-ending sex with her. 
ties her up in crazy positions will tie her up and leave her in those positions until he's ready to come back for her and it just goes on and on and on Mm -hmm. um, until he's done and then when he is done he always feels this crazy remorse he's crying and begging for her forgiveness he can't help himself look at the good she's doing she's saving other little girls from this God has put them together. Right. God has sent her to of him mm-hmm. to help him with his problems and blah, 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 yep. blah, blah, blah. He would also, it should be known that when he goes on these runs, not only is he doing this to JC, but he is also watching child pornography while they do this. And he is speaking very derog- like saying really awful horrific derogatory things to her that she's of course. never heard before yeah. so at this point we are now into two sheds because he had to take her to a there's two sheds next to each other he had to take her to the second shed to do the run because that shed has like a couch and a table and like things for him to use the shed where he's keeping JC originally is actually his music studio. Okay. Because he's going to be a famous musician one day. Sure. And so that's the door separating her room from the other room is like a soundproof door because the other room has all of his like studio equipment in it. Okay. The shed next door, I don't know what it is. I guess you could maybe call it an office. There's like a TV and a chair, like a desk chair, um, a desk and a couch. So he'll take her there for his runs, air quote, mm-hmm. and then he'll take her back to her room. But he does start slowly improving her room. OK, he gets her an air conditioner. He gets her her own little black and white TV. And eventually she builds up enough trust that he'll even let her stay next door. That's what she calls it. She calls it next door sometimes so she can like be on the couch and watch that TV and have a little bit more like room. OK, anytime. That JC starts to even hint about wanting to go home or whatever. One of the other ways that he keeps her compliant is basically telling her that if she doesn't do everything that he says, that he will sell her to people who will treat her much worse than he does. That's hard to imagine. I'm sure it's terrifying nonetheless, but God damn. He'll sell her to people who will just keep her in a cage and will gang rape her and she won't have it as good as she has it at his place. JC's at the point now where she can like read his moods when he comes in. She kind of knows what she'll be in for mood wise. Again, when he's not on his air quote runs, he's generally a nice guy. Right. He tries really hard to make this situation as comfortable for her as possible. Although he does go on some tangents that (coughs) are a little unhinged. JC realizes pretty early on that the way to survive is to comply. Don't get too emotional. It's going to make him feel even more guilty or it's going to make him angry or it's going to force him to kill her or whatever. So from a very early stage on, she realizes to comply. Mm-hmm. This is a survival tactic that we talked about um, just recently. And the remember the one where they went camping? Absolutely. And Elizabeth Smart talked about it as well. Absolutely. And later on, JC talks about even changing um, the term Stockholm Syndrome in the like lexicon and I can't remember what term I'll look it up there's a term she wants to use instead because it's just like um what was that episode do you remember that one I do the the newlywed couple who went camping and a guy killed her husband no, and absolutely. kept her in the woods we yeah, just yeah. did it a few episodes ago 
but um, I want to like was it Girl in the Woods or whatever? Yeah, yeah, her and Elizabeth Smart, who's also a kidnapping survivor, talked about how it's not Stockholm syndrome; it's a survival tactic, and that is exactly what JC said. Yeah. She's like, it's not Stockholm syndrome. I didn't or fall in syndrome. love with him. Yeah. I wasn't on his side. She's like, it's what how else will I do? It's how I survived. Yeah. It's how I got through this. Of course. There's the same as just retreating into this separate world in your own head. Just whatever you need to do to protect what's left. Yes. And she's very good at pushing her feelings down, keeping it in. She does say the first year is the worst. That's when he goes on lots of runs. It's really, really hard on her. Obviously, he would even videotape her and and kind of hold that over her head as like something he has on her. She is one of the most positive people you'll ever hear about. Even while she's going through this ordeal, she talks about how she really shouldn't complain how others have it worse than her. How? Right? I get it. But She's ugh. so grateful for the few things that she does have. And even when she gets older, she kind of keeps that mindset. She just sort of finds the silver lining in everything. And I don't know how she does it. So incredible. But somehow she does. She's a very, very strong person. And she's a very positive person. And I think that's really what helped her get through all of this. I mean, shit, take that away from her book right there. It's like a self-help book. Like, if they if they can stay positive through this. Right. Fuck. Finally, after a long time, she meets Nancy. Okay. I was wondering when this is finally brings Nancy in. They want them to be friends. He says Nancy's getting jealous of how much time he's spending out here in the shed with her. Oh, very much like girl in the box. Mm -hmm. So they want he wants them to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. His his ladies, Mm -hmm. his women, except for one of them is a child. But you know what I mean? Yep. Nancy, for the most part, is very nice to JC. Um, She's only a few years younger than Philip. Um. She brings her extra meals and food. She brings her candy and like just little presents. We're starting to get to the point where Philip is sleeping in the shed more and more. Eventually, Nancy starts sleeping in the shed as well. They're all kind of like together. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not. Nothing sexual ever happens with Nancy. Philip really wants it to. He he talks to her about the idea of what a threesome is and what that would entail. Yeah. And JC's like, no, 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 no. That's really weird it makes me uncomfortable nancy's also a hard no because again nancy's not even into sex so why would she want to have sex with a child yeah um does nancy ever watch no okay to my knowledge to everything i heard and read nancy has nothing to do with the sexual relationship between philip and jc she knows it's happening she knows why jc's there yeah but she does not she doesn't go there She's more of like a caregiver role for JC. Philip also wants uh, JC to be open to the idea of like having sex with animals, like one of his dogs. Oh, no. He he lets her know that, you know, a dog's penis is much smaller than his. So it wouldn't even really hurt her. It would just be for like his pleasure to watch the tapes. And of course, that's also a hard no from JC. He never forces her to do that. Thank God. She's missing her mom terribly. She that's throughout the whole book. All she talks about is missing her 
mom. She does bring up her friends sometimes and she'll bring up maybe her baby sister. But mom is a constant theme in this book. She even lets you read some of her journal entries from back then, which Philip let her keep a journal as long as she didn't write her name in it. Okay. Um, she wasn't allowed to write or speak her name ever. And she also, after she got a TV, wasn't allowed to watch the news. She could only watch like Philip approved channels because mm-hmm. he did not want to see her to see how big the news coverage was on her and the fact that everybody was fucking looking for yeah, her. That makes a lot of sense. So he lets her keep a journal as long as she doesn't write her name. She lets you read some of those journal passages in the book. And a real ongoing theme is the fact that she misses her mom. Wow. Okay. Is this the part I'll cry? Maybe. This Maybe. is the part I cried in the regular book. Uh-huh. She mentions um, some of the things that she misses the most about being with her mom is she misses her mom scratching her back oh, yeah. and making her mac and cheese and singing her song, her favorite songs to her. And making her Barbie's special clothes and tucking her in at night. And it's just all very sweet. And it's very like, as a mom, it got to me because it's like very small things that are just a part of their everyday life that she misses the most about her mom. Yeah. And, you know, I just think it's sweet because it just feels like all these like little things you do for your kids do add up. Yeah. They aren't taken for granted whether they're appreciated in the moment. They do leave their mark. When she's 13 years old, Philip goes, and at this point, she has still never been outside of this shed, except for to go to the next door shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She hasn't been outside at all. She hasn't been to the main house. She hasn't showered properly. Like, he brings her buckets of water and soap. No But she hasn't shower. been in a shower or a bathroom with a toilet this whole time. She got kidnapped 11. Now we're at How 13 years old. has she not had, like, UTIs and... She doesn't mention it. I don't know. Yeah. No idea. Great question. So, has she gotten her period? Yes. Okay. She has her period. Um, at 13, Philip goes to jail for breaking parole. His parole officer finds drugs in the house. He Because con- he is on parole, right? So he has parole officers that come to the house all the time to yeah. check up on him. They don't ever look in the backyard or really go too far in, but... I guess he was acting erratic this one time. They found drugs in the house. They gave him a test. He popped dirty. So he goes to jail for a few months. Nancy takes over her care. You're telling me they never thought to fucking check the shed for drugs? They don't know that the shed exists. So they call it a secret backyard because if you look, I guess if you look past his mom's house, it looks like there's a backyard. The sheds are in like a secondary part further back. Okay. That you have to like physically walk through the yard to see. I'm sorry. If I'm a fucking parole officer, like that's literally the first place. Oh, don't you worry. We'll get to the parole officers and how badly they fucked this up. Great. Okay. But in theory, they call it the secret backyard because it's almost like further back. Like you have to really walk into it. Okay. So he goes to jail for a few months. He comes back. At 13 years old, JC gets pregnant with her first child. There we go. Mm-hmm. Philip and Nancy are very excited for the baby to come. Of course, Nancy. Nancy can't have kids. They've tried. It hasn't worked. Uh, Philip renovates the shed into like a more home-like space. You know, he paints it and adds things to it. They get a crib. They make it mm-hmm. more palatable to raise a baby in. Uh, they start watching shows on giving birth and I guess lots of like TLC shows and Phillips reading up on books and he 
you know, just reassures uh, JC that he's got this. Him and Nancy know exactly what to do. They've been training. How does JC feel? She is terrified. Yeah. She's very scared and nervous. Um, She didn't even know that sex was how you got pregnant. So she didn't know that until she was watching some show on like TLC. And she was like, oh, that's how that happened. Like, I wonder how long. A long, how far along she was in the pregnancy before they even realized. They actually told her. Philip and Nancy figured it out before she did. I'm sure. Because they how saw her gaining weight. Yeah, they she, saw her uh-huh. her behavior changing. Yeah. And they she brought it up no to idea. her. Yeah. Oh they said, God. we think you might be pregnant. Here's what we're doing next. Again, how terrifying to not even know that your body works like that and then to have that happen to you. August 18th, 1994. Her first baby is born in the shed. Philip and Nancy deliver the baby. Everything goes successfully without a hitch. There's no health problems for mom, no health problems for the baby. JC's daughter's names are out in the public. You can look them up if you want. I know for a fact that JC wants her daughters to be kept as far out of this as of possible. Course. So even in her book, she references them as baby A and baby S, okay. which is a reference to their first initials. Okay. So we will call them baby A. how she calls them. Yeah. But their names are out there. But baby A is born. JC immediately. I mean, from the time she was pregnant, she felt really bonded to this baby. Right. She's so happy to have somebody else there with her. Mm. Something I mean, that's hers. Mm. Well, and it's getting to the point where she's even happy to have Philip and Nancy around. Like, she doesn't want Philip, obviously, to touch her. But she's just so fucking bored and lonely. And she just wants somebody to talk to. So she's happier when they're there with her. Mm -hmm. And she's happy to have the baby. She's very bonded to the baby. With baby A, everybody's getting along as well as can be expected. Um, The sex is happening less and less. In fact, he hasn't touched her since she was pretty far along pregnant. Since We'll say her third trimester. There's been no sex. The drug use has gone down a lot. Obviously, there's no more runs. Philip and Nancy love the baby. They help JC out with the baby a lot. They're all pretty much living in the backyard now, which no, is like weird real. to me. Yeah, like just move them inside the house. At and his mom's point. there. I guess. His mom's there. So, no, they all like live in this like backyard compound so together. Weird. Like, hey, mom, don't mind us. We'll just be out in our spare room. When baby A is three years old, JC is 17 and she gets pregnant again. Now, Philip realizes that they're going to need more room to raise these girls in. So he builds an eight foot fence around their little secret backyard. So nobody can really like see over it unless they're trying. Right. Okay. And... Now, JC and baby A, because baby A is already allowed to leave the sheds like Nancy will take baby A out into the yard to like play and roam around and explore. JC is still not allowed to, Mm -hmm. but he builds this eight foot privacy fence. And now JC can officially leave six years later. She can leave the shed into the backyard. He also builds her like a little room off the side of the shed that has like a better toilet and like a microwave and a refrigerator. And like he's setting up a whole little space for her, I guess, to the best of her ability. He eventually buys her like a really nice tent 
so she doesn't have to sleep in the sheds anymore. She has her that tent is just for her. Like the babies don't even sleep like that is her tent. That's wow. her space. She gets it when the kids get a little bit older. OK. So she has her little area. She mm-hmm. works on her garden. She likes growing flowers. She loves having animals. They keep a few cats over the years and okay. a bird. And she's really, really tied to animals. That's her first love is animals. Yeah. So um, sometimes Philip uses it as a way to manipulate her because he'll give her a kitten and then he'll like take it away and whatever. Yeah. But the point is that there's animals, there's flowers, there's gardening, there's babies. There's Philip and Nancy sleeping in the sheds with her. There's like this weird family structure happening. Yeah. And she's 17. And she's 17. Philip also starts a printing business and realizes quickly that JC is better at it than he is. She can come up with better like graphic designs on the computer that he gets. She can make the cuts straighter than he can get them. Like it's like prints like business cards and Mm -hmm. stuff for people. So JC takes over that aspect of the business and Philip, who for whatever reason is a people person and a charmer, goes out and gets the accounts and then JC designs it, cuts it, and she loves it. It gives her something to do. She's less bored. And he's not including her like as an actual employee, right? So he gets all the money. Right. Yeah. But in all fairness, he does spend a lot of the money on On her her and baby A. Yeah. Which is not in all fairness because he fucking kidnapped her. It's right. the least he could goddamn do. November 13th, 1997. Her second baby is born. Same as before in the shed. No health problems. No complications. This is baby S. And neither girl ever sees the doctor for the next, you know, 10 years or so that they're being held captive. Fuck. Business Such is going a long good. time. Nancy can officially quit her job to be a stay-at-home mom to these babies. That's what Philip wants. The girls are to grow up thinking that Nancy's their mom. JC is their sister. And that's kind of the setup they have. JC's not happy about it. In fact, she's pretty miserable about it because she's the one, you know, raising and giving birth to and breastfeeding these girls. I was just going to ask if she was breastfeeding. Okay. Yep. She's mm-hmm. breastfeeding. In fact, she breastfeeds baby A up until she's like three and a half. Mm-hmm. And the reason she stops is because baby S comes along and she can't do both. Uh, but that's your sister. So right. fucking weird. Yeah. And of course, the babies are more bonded to JC and love her quite a bit more than Nancy, which of course Shocking. makes Nancy jealous. Yeah. Shocking that they would be more bonded to a mom. We're at the point now where we've all been together for so long that they start taking JC and the girls out of the house, all the way out of the house into like the world Mm -hmm. on errands, on family trips. JC has now been with her captors for so long and she's so used to the compound. That's all she knows is that backyard setup that going out into public she has such bad anxiety. Not to mention, this isn't your hometown. You don't know she where the know fuck where she you is. are. She thinks at first that people are going to recognize no. her, but she's changed so much. She's grown up now. She's now like a grown woman. She's had two kids. Of course, you're going to look different than you did when you were 11 years old. Yeah. So nobody knows who she is. No. She walks through people and and towns with zero problems. Um, She's... In and out of all over the East Bay. She's in Concord. She's in Pleasant Hill. She's in Antioch. 
which is crazy because this is all happening in the late 90s, the early 2000s, where chilling. we're living our lives in the same town. Yeah. Um, she's going to Walmart and getting her nails done with Nancy and they're going to Goodwill and thrift stores and shopping. They go to the beach and have family beach days. And you would think, like, why doesn't she ask for help? Because she's fucking terrified. Yeah. She's terrified that no one's going to believe her. She's scared of the outside world. She's scared of people because Philip has brainwashed her to believe that the world is basically just filled with like criminals and drug addicts. Also her babies. But it's also funny because Philip is the criminal and drug addict. Philip is the worst of the worst, but he's convinced her. But not the way that he's portrayed himself. He's convinced her that the world is just filled with these evil people. And she's scared. So, yeah, if, she, if they go out, she she can do it. Again, she's very good at suppressing her emotions and staying calm. But the whole time on the inside, she's freaking out. And ironically, all she wants to do is get back to air quote home. Yeah. Which is the sheds in the backyard of Philip Greedo's mom's house in Antioch. Yeah. And so it's just it's a total mind fuck. Yeah. And. It's really hard to like wrap your brain around why she wouldn't ask for help, but it's not. No one knows who she is. She doesn't look like eleven-year-old J.C. Dugard that everyone's seen pictures of. Again, and this is not her hometown. And she's also very scared about the 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 girls. Yeah, she and does and, not uh, want to be separated from the girls. No. Now, Philip's mom gets very sick. She has dementia. She has a bad fall. She's getting quite old. The girls have already been allowed in the house. The girls actually sleep in the house quite a bit. He starts letting JC into the house. They all take like basically turns watching his mom and taking care of her because she needs like round the clock care. Yeah. This whole time, parole officers are still coming to the house. And at this point, they're interacting with JC. They're interacting with the girls. They just assume because, again, JC is now like a grown woman and she's not saying anything asking for help so they just assume it's just a friend it's a friend it's a cousin it's a family friend it's a family member helping with the elderly mom could be anybody and in all fairness to them i would probably assume the same things but ask ask more questions well also philip's not supposed to be around children oh period even if they're his own but they don't know that it's his oh they assume that it's like jc's kids and oh. like she's a family friend and if she's comfortable with them being there then i gotcha. guess it's like okay. i i was under the impression that because nancy was like pretending to be their mom that they were trying to pass no, they the just kid. don't ask questions in general motherfucker they just see him and just like okay no 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 obviously no. one of these women are the mom and if they're okay then everybody's no. okay no so yeah we're talking the entire time that she is under uh capture 60 visits from parole officers and some of them are her talking to them actively that amen fuck that indeed now as time's going on the girls are getting older jc's getting more and more desperate for escape basically and she can't even believe that she has the audacity to think about leaving and escaping. I was, so how old is she now? She's in her 20s. So now. it took, yeah, she's, it took that long for her to finally be so fed up and ready to even think. Yeah. To even think. And she questions escape. herself, like, who do you think you mm-hmm. are that you 
get to have a life outside of this. Oh that my you God. deserve right. to have a normal mm-hmm. life. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Insane. But she has these girls who are getting older and older and older. And she's like, they deserve to have a life, though. Absolutely. They deserve to have a mom who's that gonna, gave like, her that second will and mm-hmm. give them a life. Now, while she's getting more and more desperate with the idea of escaping, Philip's getting fucking crazier and crazier, which is I mean, he started off crazy. He's getting weirder and weirder. He's became crazy religious, but like the weird religious. Yeah. Like culty religious off putting religious. He tells JC for years about how he can talk to angels and they're his communication with God. And he's just doing what the angels tell him to do. And it's all out of his of his control because he's that's basically what the angels would want. just the puppet for these angels that he hears in his head. He hears voices in his head. He convinces her that he can talk to people telepathically and he can hear people's minds. There's something about a black box that he uses to communicate with people's minds, which is literally the most tweaker thing in the world because it's like a black lock box that he's put like a cassette recorder in and then like locked up and then put like a styrofoam cup with like a string. And that's Amazing. how he can like hear people's voices and yeah. their minds. And Amazing. He's gone way off the deep end. They're wearing the tinfoil hat. Basically. <laughs> Part of this is that he wants to start this like group to help. He wants to lead a movement to help (laughs) reform. Ready for this? To help cure and reform pedophiles and sex offenders because of his direct relationship with God and the angels that he talks to, he can get through to these pedophiles and help cure him the way that he's been cured. Oh, all the while he still has the girl that he fucking kidnapped, you know, in his house over a decade ago, kept captive in his house. Mm -hmm. So August 24th, 2009. (sighs) So you're in college. I'm doing hair. I'm about to have my first baby. I'm getting married. I'm. I was gonna. I'm graduating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting married to Lou. I'm about to have my first baby in 2010. Yeah. That's how fucking into our adult lives and this is. Abs- that's. Philip takes. I baby A and baby S who are not babies anymore. Now they are like te- preteens and teenagers, to the FBI office in San Francisco. To drop off paperwork about his big plan that he has that he wants them to like support about the curing pedophiles or whatever. He brings the girls with him to show off like, look Look at at my beautiful. I'm reformed. Look at these girls. They're doing great. Whatever. He drops off his weird fucking papers. The money I would pay to read what's on those fucking papers of just his tweaker scribble scrabble bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right. He must have been the laughing stock of the FBI office. He then takes the girls to UC Berkeley to talk to somebody about like host. He wants to host an event like where he can talk to like the students, talk to the masses about whatever his bullshit message is. So he talks to security officers and he talks to like the manager of like special events, like the special events. Right. I mean, you got to give it to him. He's got the confidence to just fucking walk into these places. Like the special events coordinator is like, uh, come back 
back next week and yeah. we'll have a meeting. I'm super busy right now, mm-hmm. but make an appointment Thanks. and we'll like talk about it. Right. We'll do lunch. However, security officer Allie Jacobs and special event manager Lisa Campbell does not like the look of this situation. Thank God. <laughs> they don't like the look of the girls. They look a little pale, a little emaciated. Their behavior is just weird to them. They don't like the look of it. So officer, badass officer Allie Jacobs runs a background check on this motherfucker and realizes that Philip Garrido is not supposed to be around children and he's on parole. So he's not supposed to be outside of like 15 miles of his home or whatever. And this is and like a school security Francisco guard in Berkeley. Yes, this is a fucking school security guard putting mm-hmm. this shit together. Thank you. So she alerts authorities. She alerts his POs. Yeah. She's like, something what the fuck? is fucking weird. Leave it to the women to be like, nah, this ain't this right. This isn't cool. So the parole officers finally look into it and they're like, yeah, I guess he is breaking parole, isn't he? And they're like, all right, show up to our parole office in Concord, California on August 26th. Which he does. And this motherfucker is so confident and has so much esteem and nerve that he brings the whole family with him. Stop it. He brings Nancy. He brings JC, who's now going by Alyssa because she was really into Alyssa Milano. And he brings baby A and baby S who are not babies. They are grown girls. But shut the fuck up. They... Pretty much arrest Philip immediately for breaking parole. They start questioning the women of the family, and it takes a lot for JC. She's very defensive of Philip. She's very defensive of their family situation. Her and Nancy are fucking terrified. JC's terrified because she does not know what happens after this. Again, she just wants to, part of her just wants to go back to the shed, but a big part of her also wants. To be, to be found mm-hmm. and to move on with her life. Yeah. But she doesn't know how to do that. She said she doesn't know how to break through that next wall. She yeah. doesn't know how to get to the next step. And she's fucking terrified. Well, of course. So they're questioning her. She's telling them that, no, she's Alyssa. And she gives them this whole story about those are her daughters. And she just escaped a, a violent, like, domestic abuse marriage and... Philip's like her cousin and he's helping her through it. The problem is, is Philip told them a completely different fucking story and their stories don't match. And when they confront her with this, they're like, look, we actually think something else is going on. Not that she was kidnapped. They they think something completely different is happening. Um, and they start threatening to call CPS, which, of course, is her biggest fucking oh, fear the that the girls are going to be taken away from her. And while she's scrambling and trying to figure out what to do next, Phillips bitch ass crumbles under pressure and confesses to everything. Incredible. And that's what they come to JC with. He's confessed. He told us what's going on. We need to know who you are. Yeah. And she said, I can't tell you who I am. I haven't spoken my name in 18 years. It's been 18 years. To not say your own name. She said, I can write it down for you, though. And so she writes down her name, J.C. Lee Dugard, on a piece of paper and slips it to one of the officers. And they can't 
fucking believe, believe that they have found her after all these years. I have chills. And they only found her because they walked into their goddamn parole I, I office. I have fucking chills. They would have never found her otherwise. I don't want to give right. them too much credit the here. The audacity. <laughs> I know. That this motherfucker <laughs> would just walk in there. With the whole fam. I can't. Of course, the first people that they contact are um, the local police and sheriffs from her home county, which I believe is El Dorado County. Okay. And then after that, the officers from El Dorado County contact her mother. Um, they they actually speak to her little sister first because they talk to they try to call the house, and her mom's not home, but her little sister is the one who answers the phone, who is now nineteen years old. <sighs> And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, does she even know she has an older of sister? Of course. Of course. Of but course she knows. Of course she knows. They've. She grew up with the idea of her older sister, Jacy. she was in a crib. Yeah, but her mom. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm just. I know. No, she grew mm-hmm. up knowing about her older sister, JC. She grew up with pictures and stories of JC. And she grew up with her mom's. And now this ghost is calling you. Well, and her mom never ever ever gave up hope once her mom started foundations under jc's name her mom never gave up hope in most kidnapping situations you have to remember that the kid just vanishes and nobody has any idea what happens until god forbid a body is found Correct. but we had multiple witnesses we didn't just have i should have did i can't remember if i said this that not only did carl see this and then um Carl, her stepdad, actually became the number one suspect because they only had him and what he saw in his point of view. um, They she had schoolmates on the school bus that also saw her get kidnapped, get kidnapped, which is what gets Carl off the hook as the number one suspect. Multiple witnesses saw Terry's daughter get physically grabbed and put into a car and drove away. So Terry never lost hope that JC was alive she felt like she would feel it in her gut if something, if JC was dead. And because she knew that somebody had physically taken her, it just kind of gave her hope through all these years and that there was a woman involved. Wow. She said that because there was a woman involved, she had hoped that maybe it was a situation where like Nancy had lost a kid and to help heal from that, she kidnapped somebody else's kid and that Nancy would take good care of her daughter all of these years. They're all reunited the next day. Intense therapy starts pretty quickly, but the community does rally the police officers who have air quote found her and the police officers from her home county really help her get on her feet. Their families actually pulled together money and funding because they don't have a dollar to their name. Yeah. JC and the girls um, who are now, by the way, the girls are now 11 and 15 years old. Okay. So they are teenagers, basically. Mm-hmm. JC has no life experience, no job. I mean, what is she going to do? So the officers and their family pool together some money to give to them to help, like, get them on their feet. Of course, there's, like, survivor funds that also help contribute to all of this. And through this entire time, JC absolutely refuses to hate Philip and Nancy. She does not want them to have that power over her or her girls. Both Philip and Nancy are found guilty of a range of things from a child abduction to sexual assault to rape to um, what keeping like imprisonment or whatever. Philip is sentenced to 
431 years to life. Oh, thank goodness. In prison. Nancy is sentenced 36 years to life in prison. Yeah. During the trial, now that JC has had some time away from the situation and away from Philip and Nancy and their influence has had time to start processing things. Um, she does not want to be there in trial, but she does send a victim impact statement and her mother actually shows up in court to read it on behalf of JC. And it's a long read, but I will read it for you guys now. This is JC's statement. This is the last thing she ever has to say to Philip and Nancy Garrido. It says, quote, I chose not to be here today because I refuse to waste another second of my life in your presence. I've chosen to have my mom read this for me. Philip Garrido, you are wrong. I could never say that to you before, but I have the freedom now and I am saying you are a liar and all of your so-called theories are wrong. Everything you have ever done to me has been wrong and someday I hope you can see that. What you and Nancy did was reprehensible. You always justified everything to suit yourself, but the reality is and always has been that to make someone else suffer for your inability to control yourself and for you, Nancy, to facilitate his behavior and trick young girls for his pleasure is evil. There is no God in the universe that would condone your actions. You called yourself an honest man, but there, those are just words to you. They were your tools of choice and you wield them with brute force. To you, Philip, I say that I have always been a thing for your own amusement I hated every second of every day of 18 years because of you and the sexual perversion you forced on me. To you, Nancy, I have nothing to say. Both of you can save your apologies and empty words. For all the crimes you have both committed, I hope you have many sleepless nights as I did. Yes, I think of all those years. I am angry because you stole my life and that of my family. Thankfully, I am doing well now and no longer live in a nightmare. I have wonderful friends and family around me, something you can never take from me again. You do not matter anymore. And that was JC's statement. You do not matter anymore. Her girls are are normal girls. She incredible. worked very hard to homeschool them for all those years, even though she only had a fifth grade education she looked up all of these like homeschooling sites and like printed out stuff and and she did her best to homeschool them they came out fairly well adjusted much more normal than you think they would come out jc's harder to adjust to the outside world she's you know still struggled with it again intense therapy but like therapy JC's way. So they found this great therapist who like works with horses and animals, which is JC's loves animals. And so that's helped a lot. She swore that she would never give anybody the story. She was too embarrassed and too ashamed and it was nobody's business. But she did eventually feel strong enough to write this book, which is on her bucket list of things. She has this long bucket list that she compiled. Again, you can read it in the book, but I think some of it's like see a pyramid, do a hot air balloon ride. I can't remember if skydiving's on there. Her girls to graduate high school for her to write a book. So she has this long bucket list that she starts checking things off of. This book is one of them. 
The state of California reaches a settlement with JC and gives her $20 million for how fucking badly the parole officers Thank and the authorities goodness. fucked up this case. And I don't know where her and her girls are now. I think they're keeping it private, but um, they are somewhere living a normal life. Her girls got enrolled into regular school and uh, it's been 10 years now. So everybody's like grown up now. Right. And that's it. Crazy. That's JC Dugard's case. That's so long. (laughs) To be kidnapped. That's so. Crazy. That's such a huge chunk of your life. It's your whole life. Oh. Right? From 11 to, I think she was rescued at 29. She raised two kids in that time. Right. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. J.C. Lee Dugard's case. A hometown case. A Northern California case. Had to be done. I'm sure everyone's going to be surprised when I tell you (laughs) that the movie opens up in a room. Wow. In a very small cell-like room. Very quickly, what year did it come out? 2015. And you had never heard of it or just had no interest in watching it? None. Just never heard of it? Never heard of it. Didn't know it existed. Everything inside is old and like just like dingy, dusty. Mm -hmm. There is one small window in the ceiling. So we do see some natural light. And on this day, it is a clear blue sky morning. Okay. There's a little boy, Jack, and a woman, Ma, played by Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Very talented Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. And they are sleeping together on a small cot-like bed. And the little boy is talking about the day that he was born because today is his fifth birthday. All right. Happy birthday, Jack. And every morning, Jack starts his day by saying good morning to his things, right? Good morning, lamp. Good morning, chair. Good morning, cupboard. Um, His mom tells him that they're going to bake a cake. As she's washing the dishes in like a makeshift kitchen, it consists of a sink, a toaster oven, and a mini fridge. We see Ma and Jack go through their daily routine. They bathe together, brush their teeth together. So they have a bathroom. They have a bath tub. I do believe they have a toilet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And Jack being f- turning five and naming all of his things and doing all this stuff. Is this absolutely killing you as a mother of a five-year-old? Yes. The whole. I just can't imagine having a five-year-old in this situation. No, that was, that's why I cried so much. <laughs> I know. I could so really hard. put myself in her shoes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're brushing their teeth together and we find out that Ma has a really bad toothache. We see them move their things around as needed to get through their daily activities. So at one point they move things against one wall so that they can run from side to side as like running laps. Yeah, get exercise. mm -hmm. They do yoga. 
Jack does watch quite a bit of TV. Again, I feel like it's limited TV, lots of cartoons, yeah, old sitcoms and whatnot. And at the end of the day, it's finally time to eat the cake that they made using the very like sparse ingredients that they had at hand. And of course, Jack is really disappointed when it doesn't look like the cakes he's seen on TV. Big, beautiful cakes. Not only that, it doesn't even have candles. So can it be a birthday cake if it doesn't have candles? It's hard. And we've got a five-year-old meltdown. Yeah. Right? He is mad at Ma because she could have asked Nick for candles as their special Sunday treat. Oh, boy. Of course. So I don't know if he only comes to visit on Sundays or... Or just Sunday he brings a treat. Mm Mm-hmm. That night before bed, we see Ma is still breastfeeding Jack. And then she kind of tucks him away in a makeshift bed that's in a closet. And that's where he hides when Nick comes to visit. Okay. So Jack can see through the slits of the closet doors. And he can hear everything. Right? They're in a fucking shed. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he is just feet away as his mom is basically raped in exchange for, like, some canned goods. Right. The next morning, Ma's tooth falls out and Jack asks if he can keep it. And I think about you because I know how (laughs) horrible you do with, like, tooth related stuff. So it's pretty brutal. While watching TV, Jack finds a small mouse that he wants to make his pet. He's obsessed with animals. Yeah. Very JC-like, right? That's all he wants is a pet. Of course, Ma kills it because <laughs> it will eat their food and bring in germs. And Jack and Jack's pissed. Another five-year-old meltdown. It's like, you know, typical, you never let me have anything. The next time Nick comes to visit, though, he does bring Jack a gift. He acknowledges the birthday, and it's a fucking red fire truck that is loud as fuck. Great. It's Can't like the most, one room the shed most annoying fucking toy on the planet. That's when you take one battery out, and you're like, sorry, the battery's died. Mm, that sucks. Not knowing how to explain their situation. I guess Ma has somehow convinced Jack that beyond the walls of room, there are aliens. And, like, I guess hopefully one day the aliens will save them. So they yell at the ceiling, like, hey, we're in here. Talk to us or whatever. But I don't know if it's just to, like, wear Jack out because she knows the room is soundproof. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not getting through to anybody or if it's to give him hope or I don't know. But part of their routine okay anytime ma asks nick for help or more supplies he belittles her reminds her to be more grateful for the things that she does get to have especially the child that he so kindly allowed her to keep oh thanks after sex on this night nick falls asleep and jack decides to sneak out of the closet for a closer look 
And when Ma wakes to see Jack standing there so close to Nick, she panics and like lunges over Nick, trying to like get Jack back in the closet. Nick's pissed and the whole thing's a fucking mess. So the next morning when they wake up, uh, they realize that he's cut the power to the shed. Oh, shit. So it's fucking freezing. Yeah. They've got no heat, no warm food. And so at this point, Mob feeling desperate, she's like, enough is enough. I'm going to teach Jack about outside. Yeah. So we've got a five-year-old. Like, what the fuck? You're telling me Dora the Explorer is real? She's like, well, no, Dora's not real. But, like, other things you've seen on TV are real. Well, it's like, well, if I... Why are only certain things on the TV real? Like, that would be fucking mind-blowing. Right. For a five-year-old? Like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. You're trying to tell me there's shit beyond the walls that actually exist? Yeah. Like, dogs are real? I could have a pet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything. Trees, Mm -hmm. the sky... Ma tries to use the story of Alice in Wonderland to help explain, telling him seven years ago, Ma fell down the rabbit hole and now she needs your help to find her way out of it. The next day, Ma is having what Jack describes as a gone day. And I feel like any mom could really relate to this. It's a day where Jack basically has to take care of himself because Ma's going to stay in bed all day she's like under the covers and if she's not crying she's sleeping yeah right she just needs to get it out and fortunately on this day the power is back on so jack's just sitting there watching a bunch of tv he's got plenty of time to think and this does make him curious now like about the outside Mm -hmm. maybe some of the things that ma's telling him could be true Mm -hmm. and now he wants to know more about it Ma tells Jack about a time where she did try to escape room before he was born and it didn't go well. But she's like, maybe now that it's the two of us, we could work together and we could try again. Mm -hmm. Ma has a plan. Because Nick turned off the power, she thinks that she can make it look like Jack got sick. Right? Because of the cold. So she boils washcloths to make him feel like he has a temperature. She makes herself throw up all over him and the bed Mm -hmm. so that when Nick comes to visit, it looks like Jack is the one that's been like feverish and sick all day. She also puts a note in Jack's pocket for help and says as soon as they get to the hospital she needs to hand it to a nurse or a doctor or somebody and of course he's also got the rotten tooth because he has to have a piece of his mom with him Mm -hmm. because he's never been apart from her right nick sees jack when he comes to visit that night and agrees that yes he looks like death but he is not taking him to the hospital instead he's gonna leave And go for antibiotics. And he'll be back. So Ma's got to change her plan. And she's like I can work with this. And during the time that Nick is gone. She convinces Jack that he's going to play dead. 
Mm. Right? A five-year-old having to act as if he just died. Yeah. Don't move. Don't laugh. Don't open your eyes. Good luck with that. So she rolls him up in a carpet. Like hard. Like aggressively. Like pushing him from back and forth. Side to side. Like throwing his body around in this carpet. Like this is what it's going to feel like when Nick drops you into the back of the truck. Mm -hmm. Thinking that you are a dead body. You cannot make a sound. Like you have to like bite onto this. And the whole time he's just like hitting her and screaming at her like, I hate you. I don't want to do this. Why are you making me do this? Mm -hmm. Why is everything changing? Mm -hmm. And it's just so heartbreaking. When Nick returns, he sees Ma like collapsed on top of the rolled up rug like, How could you let this happen to my baby? It's because of you. You didn't take him to the hospital. He died. Nick tries to see the body, but she's like, absolutely not. You have no right to see my child. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're just going to take him as far away as you can. I want you to bury him underneath the trees. It's the least you can do. Right. And for whatever reason, it works. And he does, he picks up the rug with Jack inside and he walks out of the room. And when I tell you my fucking heart was pounding. Yeah. Pounding. Because she's still there Mm -hmm. in this shed. Your baby's gone and you just have to hope for the best. Yeah. He's never known of an outside world and you're just throwing him out there with this fucking monster. Right. And hoping that at five years old he's going to save you. Yeah. He's in the back of the pickup truck and every turn that the truck makes gives him enough like wiggle room in the carpet to start to kind of work his way out. Mm-hmm. And it's by the third stop sign that he is actually able to get himself out. And he jumps from the truck, but he hits the ground hard. Like, sure, he's had exercise and shit, but he hasn't moved out of the... Well, and the shock of being something outside a room. Exactly. So, like, he falls to the pavement hard. He's seeing train tracks and cable lines and bright lights and hearing noises he's never experienced before. But he stumbles to his feet and he takes off running and Nick's right behind him and it kind of reminded me of the alphabet killings episode 70 Mm -hmm. because it's the situation where there's a ton of people out but they're all trying to figure out what this is is this a dad who can't get control of their kid Mm -hmm. or is this a kid who actually needs help because he's not saying a word yeah he's terrified He's trying to scramble for like the note in his pocket and Nick has literally just scooped him up and like is dragging him away and his hair is over his face. But fortunately, there's this guy walking a dog and he's asking a lot of questions. Yeah. And it's enough to make other people curious as to what's going on. And Nick just leaves. Yeah. He like panics. Yeah. Just drops the boy. 
So while Jack is safe, it's obviously been too much. And he's just in the fetal position on the ground. And everyone's assuming it's a little girl because his hair has never been cut. Right. I forgot about that. So it's just covering his face. And everyone's like, someone's got to help this little girl. And so he's like, what little fucking girl? Yeah. (laughs) When police arrive, they can tell that the child is clearly neglected, abused, malnourished. They put Jack in the back of the police car and try to figure out where he came from. He knows nothing. He's never left the room. He doesn't know directions. Yeah. He doesn't even know his mom's real fucking name. Yeah. But he has the rotten tooth. Perfect. And he can tell them that... It was three bumps before he jumped from the car. Yeah. So that combined with the make a model description that was given, they can narrow down the location. Yeah. Which, incredible. And they find room. Better police work than they did in JC's case. For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to shout out, it was a female officer. Just like the female security guard that was putting it all together. Because the male officer was like, let's just take this kid to foster care. Obviously, no one fucking cares about it. Golly. Yeah. Uh And she's like, like, what if he's a special needs kid who like. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) But here we go. Cue my first time sobbing as Ma comes running from this backyard, finds her five-year-old safe. How did she physically get out of the shed? They opened it? Yeah. Oh, okay. They go back there, and they find her. And they're like, obviously, she knows why they found her, but it's like, is my baby safe? And it's like the reunion and everything. And oh, oh, my God. But that being said, the second he sees Ma, and they're reunited, he's like, okay, cool, so... Can we go to bed? So time to go back to room. Yeah. Like I want to go to bed in room. Yeah. What an adventure now. Time to to say goodnight to lamp. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all he knows. So needless to say, when they wake up in the hospital, it's all too much. Those blaring, bright fucking fluorescent lights against Mm -hmm. those white walls he wakes up b- before his mom does and like looks out the window and he's up stories. Yeah. Like looking down like, holy fuck. Like what, what am I looking at? Sees his own reflection for the first time. Oh, that's crazy. He's never seen himself. Before? No. Mm-mm. To feel like the, the cold of the floor mm-hmm. on your feet. Just everything. Yeah. Every sense is just going fucking crazy. Now, while his whole world has been shattered, this is everything his mom has ever wanted, right? She's out. She's free. Right. So she's ecstatic. Like, she's thrilled. And she's having a really hard time noticing how hard everything is for Jack. Right. The doctor gives them sunglasses to help their eyes adjust. Um, a high SPF sunscreen to protect their skin and of course a mask for Jack because he's had no vaccines. Yeah, and no like uh, no exposure. No exposure to the outside to world and germs anything. and Mm-mm. nope. The doctor recommends to Ma that well, who's now known as Joy, by the way, that they stay in the hospital 
to make sure that Jack has the proper time and tools to acclimate. But she's like, fuck that. Like, I want to go home. I want to go back to my life. I like, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. She's reunited with her parents. Nancy played by Joan Allen, who we would recognize. She was the captain in the killing or the Colonel or whatever. Oh, I'd have to see her. Yeah. And the dad, played by William H. Macy. Oh. Legend. Of course. And this reuniting moment of her with her parents. Guess what? More crying. (laughs) Yeah. So for them, especially, like, imagine you're not only getting your daughter, but you're also getting a grandchild. Yeah. Like, that you never even could have dreamed of existing. Yeah. And JC was so worried about being reunited with her mom and especially coming with two kids she really had a worry that like her mom wouldn't want her after all these years and after having like bringing other kids like bringing kids there i'm like that is so such a wild concern to have like (laughs) well no it's not because in the movie the mom's fine but the dad who drinks a lot won't even look at jack he refuses to acknowledge that he has a grandson because he can't come to terms with the fact of what happened to his daughter. Right. Like, and that this is the result of that horrific thing. And so she cuts off her relationship with him completely. Yeah. So. Man, Mm -hmm. that is so tough. Like you've prayed to one of your daughter back all this time. Like that's going to be the thing that like trips you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. won't even look at the child or acknowledge his yeah. existence mm-hmm. fortunately they had already divorced but that's like another thing is like she's expecting everything to be just like it was mm-hmm. and it's like no and for her it's only been seven years so yeah it's like that's change in comparison we see news reports that her capture has been apprehended Joy and Jack go by police escort to live at her childhood home with her mom and her mom's new boyfriend, Leo. The house is surrounded by media and locals. It's a shit show. Mm -hmm. And Jack is just so overwhelmed and scared. And the whole thing just gives him anxiety. Um, Once they're inside the house, there's a ton of toys that people have sent for Jack, but he doesn't want anything to do with them. He's like, toys from people I don't fucking know. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Why are they thinking about me? Why do they even exist? All he wants to do is go back to room. He refuses to speak to anyone but his mom, and even then it's like in whispers because he doesn't want anyone to overhear. Mm Mm-hmm. The grandma Nancy does her best and she's like, how about some ice cream? Like, let's spoil him a little bit. The fucking ice cream gives him brain freeze. Yeah. So it's like even that. It's like, great. This is supposed to be fun. And even this hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy is in her room that hasn't been changed a bit, looking through her yearbooks and wondering what her life could have been. Like, what happened to my friends? The days that follow are filled with appointments nonstop, whether with doctors or attorneys or whatever, just constantly hounded by the media. One day, Jack wakes up early and decides to explore the house on his own where he sees Leo. And initially, he tries to hide. Leo's like, great, because guess what, homie? 
I have a dog. Yay. What kind well, of dog? A little fluffer, a yeah. little mixy pound looking dog. Problem is, is Jack's not allowed to meet the dog because, again, he's not vaccinated or anything. Like, they've got to make sure that the dog's clear and that he's clear. So it's kind of a tease. Yeah. So, again, anything that seems promising or fun is it's let still down. just a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just as Jack is starting to adjust... His ma joy is beginning to withdraw. It's all becoming too much for her. Okay. Being out. She's mad. She's snapping at everyone. But more than anything, she's upset with herself that she isn't more grateful and happy to be alive. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I wanted. And now that I have it, why am I not happy? Okay. Why isn't everything just the way that I always wanted it? Because to be? you're probably unpacking um, immense amounts of trauma. The fights that she has with her mom, Jack's grandma, scare Jack. And for whatever reason, Joy decides to do a TV interview, and the fucking cunt reporter asks Joy if she ever considered giving Jack away. Like, why wouldn't you just ask Nick to put the baby up for adoption to give them the chance of a normal life? Mm. And this fucking is enough to send Joy over the edge and she ends up attempting suicide. Oh, shit. By pills. But Jack saves her life yet again, finding her just in time. Mm. So he has to find his mom. And then watch her be dragged away. Yeah. And then he's left with these people he just fucking met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he just started to trust. Joy is taken away for evaluation where she must stay. And of course, Jack still has her rotten tooth. And I have no idea how much time passes, but we see Jack go about his days with his grandparents. Um, one day they're baking cupcakes. And Jack tells his grandma that he misses room and ma, but not this ma, like the old ma. Yeah, when it was just the two of them. Mm -hmm. Finally, the day has come where Jack gets to meet Seamus, the dog. Oh. And he gets nose kisses. Oh, boy. And me crying. Yeah, I was say, you absolutely sobbing. <laughs> me sobbing. Uh, next, we see Jack ask his grandma to cut his hair. Right, He's never had a haircut before, and she's thrilled. Like, all she's wanted to do is fucking cut this hair away. Right? See that face of her grandbaby. And when they do, they've got the ponytail, and he asks her to send it to Ma mm -hmm. to give her the strength. Right? Aww. Like, I've got a piece of her. If she has a piece of me, she can get through this. She'll yeah. get through anything. It's very sweet for a five-year-old to come up with that. Mm -hmm. And this is also when he tells his grandma that he loves her for the first time. And more crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> cannot handle this movie. I'm telling you, every time I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, it'll get better. And it's like, nope, more crying. <laughs> Ma finally comes home, shows Jack that 
she got his hair and she kept it and tells him, you saved my life again. Even now, after everything, after all this time outside, all Jack wants is to see room. So we get a police escort. They take them to the house, which is now empty. Right. They go through the house that they didn't even know existed, really. And they open the shed and Jack's like, it's not the same. Right. A lot of their things have been taken. It's evidence. Mm-hmm. But also noting that, like, it's so much smaller. Because now that he, he's, he's had some perspective, how big the world is. And just as we saw him start his day at the beginning of the movie, we see him walk around the four corners of the room saying goodbye chair, goodbye table. And finally, just goodbye room. And the movie ends with Ma and Jack walking through the backyard as it's snowing Mm -hmm. and like sappy, sad music's playing. And I cry one last time. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Just one for the road. And just one one last cry for the road. Oh. All right. Room. Yeah. A movie you would not know had existed or watched it without this podcast. Mm Mm-mm. Multiple cries. That's good for you. It's healthy. Oh, man. Just a cry fest. How many knives do you give it? I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because while it's not like on point with the whole story, you get the feelings. You're, you understand like what's happening. You just can't put it into words. It's so horrendous. The idea yeah. to... I mean, it's like we talk about putting animals in cages, but like this was a a young girl put in a cage and stripped of her life. And then the fact that she was able to make something beautiful out of it and to have her two babies and to get out and to make a life of it and to give them all the love and normalcy that she can. And And it was really interesting. Um, with JC, like they would give her some pets. Very few lasted for very long, but like one of them was this like bird that Nancy brought home. And JC like nursed the bird back to health because he used to have like abusive owners. The point is, is like Nancy would come and like make it a point to take the bird outside onto the back porch of the regular house because she's like, it's not healthy for him to be in here without the any bird. fresh air or sunlight. The bird. JC was like, okay, but like what about me, me huh? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. It's like, this is a human being. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And for you to tell me the huge span of time, this was a blink of an eye in comparison. Seven years. Yeah. I right? The know. fact that Jack was still five. The doctor even made a note. What did he say? I think he said something like, well, you got lucky that you escaped when you did because Jack is still plastic. Yeah, he won't remember most of this. Like, you can still form a a fairly normal childhood for him at this point. Yep. All right. Insane. Makes me want to rewatch it. I've only seen it once. I'm upset now just thinking about it. Like, I'm <laughs> really, like, I'm sick to my stomach. It makes me so mad. Yeah. I also always wondered about her character, Brie Larson's character, if, like, 
Because she was like older when she was kidnapped, right? Well, because, yeah, if she's going back and looking at like a high school yearbook. Yeah. So she was older. So I wonder, I'm like, what if she was somebody who didn't even ever want to have kids? And now she's like kind of stuck having a kid. Like, obviously, she loves Jack. But I always wondered that. Like, what happens? Like, what if she was someone who never wanted to have kids? And now but she's like, that eh. doesn't. No, that doesn't even matter. Because what you're telling me about JC, like, again, never had even seen a penis. Well, JC's different even... than the character, than yeah. Larson's character. I just, when I was watching the movie, that was oh, okay. something that I was thinking about. Yeah. Was like, this is like a young woman. Like, what if she was, like, going about starting her adult life and she had never wanted to have kids and or now whatever? This... And now she's like... I guess I'm having a kid now. I mm-hmm. guess I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this 11 year old girl not knowing what a penis looks like or how a body makes a baby or. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Yep. Well, that's our anniversary happy anniversary, episode. guys. Um, what's your look of the week? So we're going to probably do me trying to escape from our pod shed yep but apparently looking out from it yeah apparently there was a break-in of (laughs) of the furry kind yeah the we came out one morning about a week ago and the door of the pod shed had been like popped open and my husband swears that it's in fine condition but i'm gonna make him look at it tomorrow when he gets home um just a double triple check that our pod shed is still i had all these like nightmares like these visions of like raccoons getting in there or like a possum or something just like tearing up the place. Yeah. So we'll have uh, Big Daddy Lou go out and check it tomorrow. But yeah, I think it, I think the picture because there's also a lot of junk in front of my pod shed right now because we have to do like we have recycling to just get rid of a bunch of stuff, whatnot. recycling and stuff. And that's the Garrido's home besides being a place of nightmares. They were almost like hoarders. Like they had a lot of junk and stuff in their backyard. So um It'll work perfectly. Yeah. And so I think the the, the pod shed will be the like highlight peeking out of the door. Yeah. Like, is it? Yeah. What's going on? Uh huh. Um, perfect. So we'll put that on um, THC podcast on Instagram. If you guys want to leave a comment, let us know your favorite memory of the past year, a favorite episode. Because um, when you guys ranked my looks, that was a real treat. That, that was, was really fun. That was a lot of fun. And thank you so much for the past two years. It's been super fun. We'll see if we have a whole nother year in us. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, we've already got M to look forward to. We already have a whole nother episode ready to roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cannot. I don't want to ask you because I don't you want can't. it to be no. spoiled. Mm-mm. I cannot wait I to hear about what you think about that fucking mm-hmm. 1930. Have you ever seen a movie that old? No. The oldest movie you've probably ever watched, I would assume, would be like Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Sure. And that came out after because that was the first movie in like color, I think, was Wizard of Oz. There and so that go. had to have been like late 30s. Yeah, sure. Who knows? <laughs> I didn't even know movies had sounds and sound in 31. So yeah, that's very few. But yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you had to watch that shit. And I can't believe I found it. Also, I think. Ooh, I think there might be a modern movie based on it oh good i've got time yeah i'll have to google it because i think i found that after you had already committed to watching m and i'm like i can't tell her about this no i've <laughs> got time right Throw all right awesome me. well go on our instagram check us out leave a comment if you want if you have time to let to give us like a five-star rating or you know whatever we'd really appreciate it 
But no matter what, we're going to keep going until we run out of cases or run out of patients. So we will see you, you next time. Bye. Bye. Happy anniversary, everybody. Boo boo.